Every day brings fresh evidence that Joe Biden's disaster of a presidency is finished. His name's not on the ballot, but his incompetence is. In less than two weeks, voters have an opportunity to voice their rejection of Biden, his stewardship of a failing economy, record inflation, rampant crime, chaos at the border, and his woke progressive policies like the Green New Deal that have divided, not united, Americans. If polling data is accurate, Democrats will experience a trouncing in the House of Representatives. They could lose the Senate as well, but make no mistake, the midterm elections are a referendum on a president who is veered insanely to the left and wrecked prosperity in the process. Look at any poll. They're all pretty similar. A condemnation of Joe Biden's agenda and himself. Americans correctly blame the president for driving the U.S. off an economic cliff. His $6 trillion in reckless spending flooded the marketplace with dollars that drove up inflation to a record level. His war on fossil fuels caused gasoline prices to skyrocket as the nation lost its energy independence and became reliant on more expensive foreign oil. He never lifted a finger to tamp down raging crime that has terrorized major cities. He refused to even visit our southern border where millions have crossed into the U.S. creating an unparalleled crisis. Instead, he put a dunce in charge. Kamala Harris had no idea what to do, so she simply abandoned any attempt to deal with it. Anyone who's ever followed Joe Biden's political career knew this would happen. He has a long record of bungling everything he touches. Former President Barack Obama knew it all too well, which is why he infamously warned Never underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. Biden has the uncanny ability to ruin whatever is in front of him. He could screw up a free lunch. His declining mental state only compounds his mess. On Monday, for the umpteenth time, he referred to his vice president as, quote, a great president. Also Kamala's birthday. turned 30. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, We know uh, your mom's always with you. In a weekend interview, he said that his unilateral debt forgiveness plan was, quote, passed by a vote or two, even though nobody voted. What we've provided for is if you went to school, if you qualify for a Pell Grant, you qualify for Two thousand. I mean, excuse me. Uh, you, you qualify for twenty thousand dollars in debt forgiveness. Secondly, if you don't have one of those loans, you just get ten thousand written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two, and it's in effect. And already, a total of I think it's now thirteen million people have applied for that service. He said his son Bo, who died of cancer, lost his life in Iraq. Just imagine. I mean it sincerely. I say this as a father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. He asks the whereabouts of a dead congresswoman. I want to thank all of you here for 
including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this a reality. When he isn't mangling somebody's name or forgetting it entirely, he's imagining events that never happened. The list of verbal blunders is endless and alarming. He confuses what year it is. He blissfully licks an ice cream cone while declaring, quote, our economy is strong as hell. Are you concerned about the strength of the dollar right now? I'm not concerned about the strength of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes, our economy is strong as hell. The internal oblivious to our 8.2% inflation rate that has demolished lives and livelihoods. He wanders around a stage shaking imaginary hands and befuddled over where to go. His aides give him cue cards with the kind of directions you'd hand over to a five-year-old. Walk up the stairs when you reach the top, move to the podium, read aloud the teleprompter, do not deviate. I, I think it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about anyone's age, including mine. I think that's totally legitimate. But I think the best way to make the judgment is to, uh, to you know, watch me. You know, am I slowing up? Am I don't have the same pace? And, or, you know, uh, and that old joke, you know, uh, um, everybody talks about the, you know, the new 70s, 50s, and all that stuff. It's my intention, my intention to run again. And we have time to make that decision. Uh, Dr. Biden is for it. Mr. President. Oh, Dr. Biden thinks that uh, my wife thinks that. Uh, that I uh, that, that we're that we're doing something very important and that I shouldn't walk away from it. You get the picture. It's pathetic and sad and it's dangerous. Biden's incompetence is doing real damage, and not just to our economy. His humiliating withdrawal from Afghanistan against sound military advice was an epic foreign policy humiliation. He's managed to fracture important alliances. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Saudi crown prince, quote, mocks President Biden in private, making fun of the 79-year-old's gaffes and questioning his mental acuity, end of quote. Biden's statements on Taiwan, they get walked back by his own aides. The White House is in a perpetual state of cleanup mode whenever Joe speaks. Is it any wonder that most Democrat candidates don't want the president to come anywhere near their campaigns. Voters have had enough. Current polling shows that a reckoning is imminent. By the time ballots are counted, the presidency of Joe Biden will be functionally over. It can't come soon enough. Yes, the president insists he'll run for re-election. That is an illusion. It'll never happen. Once Republicans regain control of at least one body in Congress, investigations into the Hunter Biden influence peddling schemes will kick into overdrive. Joe's complicity, 
and the evidence that directly implicates him will drive down his polling numbers even further into political oblivion. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Billionaire investor Michael Pinto has a warning for you. Don't listen to anyone who tells you how bad the crash will be and when it exactly will happen. Nobody knows. But the CEO of Wells Fargo warns the worst is yet to come for Americans. Pay attention to the economic data. Inflation is at a 40-year high. And make no mistake about it, the recession is real, no matter how the White House tries to change the definition. That's why Bloomberg, Goldman Sachs, and Jim Cramer are all calling for gold to surge. Gold and silver have historically moved opposite the stock market and in the long term can preserve your purchasing power. Call 800-809-8500 and Lear Capital, the number one rated gold company, will present the same trusted options they have been giving successful investors since 1997. At Lear Capital, most IRA rollovers qualify for no IRA fees for up to five years. Their current incentive offers up to $15,000 in bonus silver for well-qualified new customers. A three-minute call can protect your portfolio with the power of real physical gold. Call 800-809-8500 today. Again, that's 800-809-8500 and tell them Greg Jarrett sent you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. The consistency of certain aspects of polling data indicate dire circumstances for Democrats in the upcoming November midterm elections. Joining me now to talk about it are John and Jim McLaughlin, brothers who are two of the most trusted pollsters, I must say, in America. They run McLaughlin Associates. And gentlemen, great to have you back on The Brief. I I was looking at your latest polling data, and it shows 65% of voters think the U.S. is on the wrong track, and 67% think it's President Joe Biden's fault. So uh, talk to us about those numbers, what they portend on Election Day that's coming up very quickly. And I also note that Biden's overall job disapproval rate um, is not good, uh, about 52 percent. But talk to us about those general numbers. Yeah. Let me take that first, because, Greg, there's a, of the two thirds that say the country's on the wrong track, that question with the 67 percent that blame Joe Biden that was only asked among the 65 that think it's on the wrong track. So right. there's still room to grow in terms of the Republicans' message. Because in this poll, the Republicans have their highest generic that we've seen since probably 1994 when they took the House in a landslide, where they're, they're up on the generic ballot, uh, 49 to 43. But Biden's disapproval's at 52 because they, they sometimes let him off the hook. They should be... He should be uh, on the ballot and he should be foremost in every Republican ad and every and tying every Democrat member of the Senate and Congress to him. And there's still some room to grow where the Republicans could 
increase their generic ballot to 52%, which is Biden's disapproval, or they could drive that higher by letting people know this is really his fault. The America's on the wrong track. Uh, and they say the economy is getting worse, 60, 61 to 31 instead of better. They say it's uh, 61% say we're in a re recession. This is all Biden's fault. And, and the Republicans for the next 14 days need to pound that home for the next two weeks if they w expect to, you know, win a majority in not just the House, but also in the Senate. Yeah. yeah. And Jim, would you agree that that Biden's failed presidency is really on the ballot here? This is a referendum on him and, and Democrats generally are going to pay the price for that. No, no question about it. And the interesting numbers, John referred to the generic ballot where the Republicans are up by six points right now. In a lot of these battleground congressional districts, these battleground states where these Senate races are uh, being fought out right now, is his negatives in many cases in places like Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, et cetera, are even higher. Um, he's got his disapproval ratings in the mid to high 50s in those places. So they're even higher. And the interesting part is the other point that John made was about his disapproval rating where there's still room to grow. The interesting part is when you start asking about significant issues, like say inflation, he's got a 62% disapproval rating. Immigration, 60% disapproval rating. The economy, 59%. Crime, 55% um, disapproval rating. Foreign policy, 54%. Even on abortion, he has a 56% disapproval rating right now. And you look at a lot of these issues, whether it's inflation, you know, immigration, the economy in general, crime, you know, what happened in Afghanistan, this would sink a lot of pre uh, presidencies, just one of those issues. And you look at what's going on, and this is what the White House has to deal with right now. And then when we ask that check and balance question, you're usually seeing in these battleground congressional districts and these battleground Senate races, it's usually over about 10% that will tell you they want to check and balance on Joe Biden because he's failed and he's extreme. Right. What about independence? Um, you know, I see some other polls uh, that show by double digits, they think their personal financial situation is really bad. And, you know, inflation has made their lives worse. You know, independents are an important uh, voting faction. How are they going to break in this midterm election? Well, they're breaking for the Republicans. And it's not just for the House uh you know, it's not just for the generic ballot in the House. It's also for the governor's races and the Senate races where um, and there's a there's a great turnout here, because when you look at the types of independents that may go out, there's a lot of polls that will talk about registered voters and that has all non-affiliated voters in there. But uh, but but, you know, of the 180 million or so eligible voters in the United States in a midterm election, you know, in 2014, you had 83 million people come out in 2018, you had uh, 118 million come out, which is still less than the 161 million that voted in the presidential race. But, you know, you're getting the types of independents that are motivated to come out in this election are ones who favor the Republicans 40 to 36. The polls that I'm seeing in the media where they do registered voters, the types of independents 
who are less motivated to come out are the ones who are, you know, the, the ones who basically voted for Joe Biden in the presidential election, but now are really upset with the results and they may not come out. So, so the independent voters right now favor the Republican generically in a lot of the races, like we're seeing in New York State for Lee Zeldin for governor in his polls, like he's winning the independence by like 20 points. Well, really? Yeah, because in, in New York State, there's 13 million registered voters, but in a midterm election, just over 6 million usually come out. So the ones who are motivated to come out are being motivated to come out because they're not happy with the economy, but certainly it's crime statewide driving the race. Because in New York, they got this crazy cashless bail law where you can commit all sorts of violent crimes and be let go again. So, you, you know, you've got dangerous people out there. So independents who care about their pu- public safety and care about what's going on in New York City on the subways, what's going on in, in, around the state with gun crimes, et cetera. The only way they're going to keep keep themselves safe is by going out to vote for governor. And and they don't care about either party, and, but they're coming out in this election to vote for uh, Zeldin for governor. And that's why even the public polls are now saying it's a dead even race between uh, uh, Zeldin and Governor Hochul. So, yeah. uh, so types of independence coming out are very important right now. Let, let, let me ask you broadly. Um, it seems, according to your polling data, that Republicans will retake the House. How much of a majority, in your estimation, will the GOP have in the House? You know, I, when I'm looking at this right now, um, you might have said about a uh, month, month and a half ago, you might have said, hey, you know what? Yeah, the Republicans are going to take the House. But it might only be about 20, 25 seats. I think right now um, the Republicans have a good shot, believe it or not, of picking up 35, maybe even 40, maybe even more um, with the way things are going right now. Turnout, you know, it's always a cliche, but it's going to be hugely important. That's why we need to do exactly what John was saying, make this a referendum on Joe Biden's failed policies. But when you look at it right now, you know, depending upon which rating system, they'll look at, you know, I'm seeing some races that recently um, the these rating services don't even have them as toss up races, let alone I would make an argument. Somebody like uh, Mike Lawler in New York 17, who's facing Sean Patrick Maloney, who is for all intents and purposes, um Nancy Pelosi's campaign manager, he runs the DCCC. He's running in a district where Joe Biden beat Donald Trump by 10 points, yet Mike Lawler is ahead. And why is he ahead right now is because this is a district the Republicans weren't supposed to be in, let alone have the ability to win. He's winning because they think he can make their lives more affordable and they think he can make their lives safer. So that's why when I look at a race like that, and a lot of these rating services don't even have it on a, as, a, as a Republican pickup, mm-hmm. I'm thinking we can go possibly even 40, per, 40 races plus this time and go back to the last election where in most of there was only about 15 to 20 races that, you know, the so-called rating services and the pundits had as toss ups. The Republicans won a vast majority of those, and that's why they picked up 13 seats in 2020 when most of these folks were saying the Republicans were going to lose 15. The other dynamic that's going on is these wave elections, they tend to break late. And I think as you're seeing the voters are breaking right now, they're clearly breaking towards the Republicans. 
What about the Senate? Um, you know, for the longest period of time, it has looked very, very close. So how do you handicap the Senate overall? Well, the Senate, the Republicans have the momentum right now because uh, a lot of these candidates came off tough primaries. And, and when you're looking at this polls coming out, even as we speak today, some of the so a lot of these media polls are starting to get it right because they're keeping the right numbers of Republicans and Trump voters in it. But this poll's coming out today. I think Rasmussen Reports has uh, the Republicans ahead in both the Senate race and governor's race in Nevada. So so if Nevada goes their way, that's really important. Trafalgar has, I think, uh, uh, Herschel Walker ahead today in Georgia. And a lot of voters have already voted in Georgia. And the Republicans, mm-hmm. you know, the Democrats are coming out more more likely they're, they're coming out earlier, but the margin is such that the Republicans can, you know, overtake it on election day. So when you look at the Senate race, Georgia may be headed for a runoff, but uh, uh, Arizona is still close where the Democrat Kelly's a little ahead. Uh, Pennsylvania, I think Oz critical race where he's going to, he's got a crucial debate coming up with Fetterman. Fetterman's being assisted in the debate by all sorts of means. Uh, but, but, right. uh, but he's wrong on a lot of positions. So I think Oz is going to pass him. We had a poll that we put out last week where he was, Oz was slightly ahead by a point. So I think Oz has the momentum to keep the seat in Pennsylvania. I think Ron Jensen keeps Wisconsin. We keep North Carolina. So Ohio, Ohio, we're going to keep, I mean, a lot of those polls that had, Vance losing. I mean, that was a state where the exit polls had had eight points more Republicans, and these media polls are coming out saying that the party affiliations, even in Ohio, it's not. So Vance is 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 moved out to a little bit of a lead. So we keep Ohio. So it comes down to the states: can we knock off Hassan in New Hampshire? Can we uh, knock off Warnock in Georgia? Can we knock off Kelly in Arizona? Because I think we're going. We're already ahead in Nevada, and so if we keep what we have. And then it's how many seats we pick up, and it's a 50-50 tie right now. So the question is, if the Republicans maintain this momentum, do we win the Senate back by one, two, or three seats? And I think we probably on election day, it's, it's one or two seats, and then you got Herschel Walker in a runoff against Walker, Warnock. Yeah, and I think the runoff will happen in December uh, yeah. this year <laughs> as opposed to the last time it was in, in January. And so well, the forth. great thing is, our clients, the, we work for the Republican majority in the House, and our clients fixed the election law in Georgia, where you where you don't have unsecured drop boxes, you don't have this ballot harvesting that you had in in the past. Um, so so uh, uh, you still have absentee voting, you know, without excuses. You still have the the early voting, uh, but it's a lot more honest than it was because. You know, there's still a lot of questions. I don't care what the mainstream media says. It's not a lie. You have over 300,000 ballots without uh, uh, chain of custody records. The drop boxes were unsecure. That's all been fixed. And no one is complaining their civil rights were wrong. In fact, when I looked at the uh, uh, early voting right now, it's 33% African-American. So so a lot of Georgians are exercising their uh, uh, their ability to vote. And their right to vote, and no one's being deprived of that. But uh, that that race, whether it's a runoff or whether it's on election day, that race could decide uh, how big the Republican majority is in the Senate. Yeah, which puts a lot of Joe Biden's claim that you know the new voting law in Georgia, which made uh, voting more accessible, 
uh, and made it harder to cheat uh, would suppress, you know, African-American voters and other uh, voters. The record uh, turnout uh, seems to suggest just the opposite is true. Um, I was looking again at your polling data. Eighty one percent of African-American voters approve of Joe Biden's job performance. But then when you turn to Hispanic voters, it drops precipitously to 54 percent of Hispanic voters who approve of Biden. Are Republicans making real gains among Hispanic voters? Yeah. And and Greg, that's that's a great point. And what we're seeing, again, in a lot of these battleground Senate races and these battleground congressional districts, we're seeing not just Republicans doing well among Hispanic voters, we're seeing them winning Hispanic voters. And look, this all started over the last few years. Um, Donald Trump received 41% of the Hispanic vote in Texas. He received about 45, 46% of the Hispanic vote in Florida. And now basically Hispanics are turning away from the Democrats because of their failures on the economy, because of their failures on crime, because of their failures on issues like education. And I can't tell you how many times recently when we do focus groups and we do focus groups of Hispanic speaking voters, they tell us that Joe Biden and the Democrats they are acting and they are giving us the same policies as the failed Marxist dictators like Maduro and Chavez and Ortega and the Castro brothers. They're literally comparing the Democrats to these, you know, uh, Marxist dictators. So Hispanics, I don't think we're just going to do well with them. I think we're going to win them and we're going to win them overwhelmingly, especially in these battleground districts. And look at somebody like Myra Flores. That was a district that I think, you know, uh, Barack Obama won by close to 20 points and she won it this time. And the reason is because Hispanics are voting Republicans based on issues. And I think your other point, by the way, about African-American voters, we're actually seeing Republican candidates, especially in places like Florida, we're, we're getting surveys back where they're getting 15, 20%, sometimes 20% plus hmm. among black voters. And it's especially acute among black men um, where they don't like the direction that Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are taking us. Yeah, you, you mentioned Nancy Pelosi, and uh, so I was crunching some of your numbers here. Kamala Harris has a worse unfavorable rating than Joe Biden. Her number is at 53%. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's numbers are, are worse of all, 57%. So it's, it's not just Joe Biden, but Pelosi, Kamala Harris, they, too, are a drag on Democratic candidates generally? Yes. By the way, uh, with Vice President Harris, our, my cliche for her has been that she's uh, impeachment insurance. Because as, she's, <laughs> as long as she's there, the Democrats are not going to get rid of Joe Biden. And these right. polls, the polls that you're looking at, I mean, what's amazing, if the election was held today, Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden 50 to 44. He beats Kamala Harris 51-42. Uh, there's real buyer's remorse going on right now that, you know, we had a president who was successful 
uh, got us through a pandemic, uh, you know, the, and, and, and left us with a growing economy with the vaccines to keep us healthy. And America was strong. And Joe Biden in, you know, in just less than two years has done more damage to the United States than any other president before him. And, uh, y- y- you know, so Kamala Harris, Pelosi, they're all accomplices in this. And, you know, what, what you're see- by the way, I could hardly wait till they come out and campaign. I hope they all visit, uh, my, my, for, you know, for the congressional Democrats running against my, my, uh, congressional candidates. Yeah. But when you think about it, they won't be going into those battleground Senate races. I mean, I, you know, if you're a Democrat, you're going to ask Joe Biden to come in for you. Uh, you know, you're going to ask, uh, you know, Kamala Harris to come in for you. I mean, it'll be top secret. They won't. won't well, Fetterman will, but that's about it. Right. Yeah. You know, so um, because because he's weaker and more beguiled than than Joe Biden. I mean, it's like six out of ten voters think Joe Biden needs to take a cognitive test to make it public probably even higher for him and it's ironic he's running fetterman's running against a doctor who actually cares about the guy's health but right, uh, right. his policies are totally wrong well you bring up uh, an interesting point i i find it hard to believe that joe biden will run for re-election given his age his difficulties his low approval ratings um yeah he says he will but i, I think the dynamic uh will change after the midterm elections and as he proceeds through his uh bungled presidency even more that you ask people to think ahead to the 2024 democratic primary for president uh what democrats who they would want as their nominee what what did you find well the thing we found, and we, by the way, we've been consistently finding that 75% plus, more than three quarters of the Democrats, they want somebody other than Joe Biden. That's right. horrible. And you, you do that in contrast to, say, Donald Trump, where the vast majority of Republican primary voters, when we do surveys at CPAC and with other conservative organizations, the vast majority of the Republican conservative base want Donald Trump to run for president again because they think they we didn't have these problems and they believe he was a successful president. So the fact that 75% plus of Democrats are saying, uh-uh, we don't want him to run. And look, let's stop. Let's end the charade right now. This guy is not going to run for re-election. He's not up to it mentally. Um, they know that, you know, how unpopular he is with um, middle-class America. That's why none of these Democrats are asking him to campaign for them. So the Democrats have huge problems out there. And the other thing is when, when we ask who their number two choice is or, you know, who comes in second, all these Democrats are in like low single digits, whether it's Mayor Pete, whether it's uh, Kamala Harris, they don't want her. Um, even, you know, somebody like Michelle Obama, who I don't think is ever going to run again, she's in low, you know, basically um, double digits. So while the Republicans have a great bench, they have a clear front runner in Donald Trump, the Democrats don't appear to have much of a bench. And I also think, again, after these elections, there's going to be a huge civil war inside the Democratic Party. And who I think that civil war is going to be against, it's going to be that establishment 
you know, the ones that gave us Joe Biden um, versus the squad, because the squad is basically going to tell you the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's of the world that the reason why we failed and the reason why we got our heads handed to us in the midterms is because we weren't crazy socialist left wing enough. And the establishment Dems are going to say, oh, no, we went too far to the left, even though, unfortunately, there really are no more moderate Democrats left. They're really not. I mean, right. if there are, you can count them on one hand. So that's the big problems that I think the Democrats have going into 2024. You gave vote, voters a choice in one of your uh, polls, free market capitalism versus socialism. An overwhelming 62% prefer capitalism. Socialist policies garnered a scant 11%. Um, So what does that say about these far-left progressives who have embraced socialist policies, Bernie Sanders, AOC, Liz Warren? Uh, They're just way out of step, right? Well, they don't call it socialism. They call it progressives. They, right. they call themselves progressives. But it's and socialism it's, in disguise. Yeah, it's it's a euphemism for socialism and for government control. And you'll notice that we phrase that question. The free market capitalism part I got from Larry Kudlow. I mean, that's so you know right. he's he's our economic policy guru. And him and Steve Forbes and uh, Steve Moore and Art Laffer. We, I, I you know Jim and I know polling. But when it comes to when it comes to economic policies work, we refer to them. So free market capitalism is our mantra. Their mantra was socialism, but Americans don't know really what it is because the media doesn't tell them. So we put in big government and all of a sudden it's very unpopular. So like as as and Newt Gingrich has uh, helped a lot of candidates based on our polling and our research with them where they just frame it as big government socialism. Americans get big government. We know it's really bad. We know it, it interferes in your lives. It takes control and it takes takes your wealth and takes things that, that you've you've earned and just wastes it. And, and we're seeing it now where 47% of all Americans are telling us they're not only uh, struggling with inflation, they're having a problem making ends meet. And another 38% say they've been impacted by it. So, so you're seeing this big government of socialism uh, destroy the American economy that used to be the engine and the pride of the world where, you know, we, we would we would grow and the world would grow with us. And now you're seeing, I mean, Biden and this, these, these Marxists have destroyed us. Yeah. So we've got to get rid of them on November 8th. And every one of your listeners needs to bring out not just themselves, but other people to the polls yeah. and get rid of them because they're really doing real damage to real people. And it's All really right. John and Jim McLaughlin, um, Republican pollsters uh, who run McLaughlin and Associates, love to have you guys back on after the election. And uh, we'll see just how prescient or not uh, your polls were. I'm betting uh, the former. And thanks so much for being with us again on The Brief. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Our pleasure. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.